Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. Welcome to Business of Design, episode 327, and we've got a two-parter for you. Refine Your Story with Erica Sorrett. Part one, she's going to get into the first of three E's that we all need to think about as we are creating our brand story and selling our brand to clients, which is so important, right? You want to put out into the universe what you stand for and why people should hire you. And you have such a short amount of time to do that because as we all know, attention spans are so short. So this applies to selling your entire brand to a client, but it also can apply to just being able to sell that expensive light fixture you love so much to your clients. It's a great conversation. Again, two parts. And I love this one idea though, that Erica says she has seen so many beautiful ideas fall apart and clients not buy into them because the designer was not able to create a compelling story, a compelling reason why the client should really buy into this exclusive feature of the design project. And as we all know, the project can totally fall apart if just a few of those special moments you plan on a project don't happen. So we want to avoid that. And we are going to get into the show quickly. First, we're going to hear from Cheryl Horn with quick announcements, and then we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we're into the show. We're so glad you're here. Hey, Cheryl. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm good, but I want to be outside. It's so gorgeous, you know, and summer is like an hour long. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of well, resent any time I have to be in. Yes, I'm back in Toronto. Yeah. It's, yeah. You're, you've been on the road for <laughs> ever. <laughs> I know, I know. It's been insane, but it's good. It's good. And I've managed to see every client, you know, and let them know that I'm here and on the job again, which is great. Yeah, and you I know, have that, noticed that you're your calendar is, is full of like design client everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. But that's not the only calendar I have. The other calendar I have is business of design and I think it might be kind of full too. Yeah. Well, coming up uh, later this month, I, I guess a little bit short notice, we sort of added, added a new event. It's called key financial aspects. If the economy takes a downturn, we've noticed a lot on one, you're doing a lot of one-on-one co- coaching calls these days, yeah. as well as the BOD lives. And it seems like a lot of our members and listeners are making decisions, I want to say from a place of panic, right. right? Things haven't necessarily changed drastically right now. Right. They're kind of anticipating that, yeah. a downturn. And so they're just start, starting to make decisions from that place. Yes. So we we have sort of like hustled to get this one live. It's going to be led by 
Julia Nikashina. I hope I'm saying her name right, but she's from New Age Financial Consulting. She was recently on the podcast, so go back and check out episode 320 uh, to listen to her speak there. But after you had interviewed her, we decided to reach out and ask if she could, you know, cover some of the key financial touch points that people should really be looking at now, what they should be prepared to make decisions based on rather than sort of going from the gut right now. And a changes. better set of um, questions to ask yourself before you're making yes. these key decisions based on, I'm sort of afraid something's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, tell me the date again. So that is happening on Thursday, June 22nd. It's going to be at 12 p.m. EST. Uh, it's $3.95, and then members are going to save $100. Details are on the website in terms of what you're going to learn. I have had questions if you can't attend live, but you're still interested. Of course, we'll make the recording available because, you know, obviously we uh, support all different time zones. So please uh, still go ahead and register if you're not able to attend live. Uh, but it is only a few weeks away, again, June 22nd. So make sure you check check that out online. Reach out to me if you've got any questions. You're right. That's a really tight timeline. June 22nd. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but we Be feel there. like we felt like jump on you know, this. Members, need, members need that now. We didn't want to wait till, you know, September when people are done with summer. We wanted to make sure we got that in now because this is when this is when you're doing all the coaching calls. This is when we're getting all the questions. It's true. So, it's true. Um, this is a similar topic to what we're doing in Las Vegas as well. Las Vegas market, August 1st. Yes, you're you're going for summer market. So that is happening on August 1st, or you're speaking rather on August 1st. It's a Tuesday at 1 p.m. PST because you'll be in Vegas. And the topic is going to be recession-proof your business. So along those same lines, you're going to you know identify some of the questions that you've been getting and provide some feedback to the audience in terms of how to how to prepare. Okay, so two good events you can show up to. You need to, uh, obviously, the first one is a paid event. It's going to be a little more intensive, a little longer. If you have specific questions and you can't be at the live event, send them ahead of time to Cheryl so we make sure we answer yes. them at the live event. And then when you watch the recording, you'll be able to get your question answered. And if you're going to be in Las Vegas, August 1st, would love to see you for that seminar as well. Yes, and, and do make sure that you register for Vegas Market as well as the individual seminars. But details for both of these events are on the website, and I'm all, always available for questions. Awesome. Thanks, Cheryl. We'll talk to you soon. Business of Design is sponsored by Daniel House Club. Over the last year, Daniel House Club has helped interior design professionals save over $2.3 million in their furniture procurement. With Daniel House Club, trade professionals like you and me no longer need to jump through hoops or remember hundreds of logins to profitably source from the brands we love most. Club members enjoy access to over 150 vendors at the best trade prices in the industry all in one place. Daniel House Club's mission is to be the quickest place for interior design professionals to find and buy what they are looking for and it's fulfilling its mission. According to one member in Denver, the concierge is really helpful, and that's what sets them apart from everyone else. I've noticed even showrooms having a bit of a harder time when claims and damages come up, but DHC's concierge service cuts that time down significantly. 
Another member simply says, I could not pay someone to do what Daniel House Club does for me. They handle all the logistics after the purchase, which just makes it so easy. So sign up today and see for yourself. Visit danielhouse.club BOD for 50% off your membership. And now episode 327, Refine Your Story with Erica Sorrett, part one. Hello, Erica Sorrett. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, we've already established we're going to be great friends because we're going to be hanging out together in High Point uh, oh, coming up wait. next Monday, right? I'll, I'll at least know one yeah. person when I get there. It's going to be Erica. <laughs> well, it's like you said, super exciting for a lot of people. I think this is going to be the first market back like in person for a lot of people. I've noticed that they keep, I go every year cause I'm in high point, but I've noticed that they keep getting more, they, they're getting busier and busier. The showrooms are getting, you know, you know, products more and more products. So I think for a lot of people, this particular spring market, depending on when you're listening, obviously this is going to be a spring market for us. Um, but this particular one is going to be probably the biggest one. And so many people are excited to be back in person. Well, and I don't think I realized you were right in High Point. Where yeah. where is your North Carolina accent? Um, give me some wine and <laughs> <laughs> actually if you sit me around a table, like especially around my family or my sisters, it it really comes out and I not I think it's just I left High Point and moved and sort of lived many places around the U.S. and around the world. And when I came back to High Point, it comes out um, every now and then. Um, and I love it. And I love to hear it. And then, in fact, I don't know if you can do this or not, but I can determine when I hear someone speaking, like if I'm in a room or an event and I hear somebody talking and I, I hear a Southern accent, if I listen for a few minutes, I can kind of pinpoint exactly what what state they're from. And sometimes I can tell you exactly if they, if it's a North Carolina accident, like what part of North Carolina they come from. This is kind of a superpower of mine. That's a really it's good really superpower. So let me see. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me, let me do this. My mom and daddy are from, I'm not going to tell you where they're from. I'm going to let you guess where they're from. But this is what they sound uh, like when they talk. And my kin, when I go see my kin sound like this too. Is th- is this a natural accent for you, or you're kind of representing? Well, it's interesting. What you hear? That's what I grew up with. My mother, my father, my brother are all from this particular state, but okay. I was actually born in California. So I grew up in a household ah. where three people spoke like that, and I spoke. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, "Why do you talk like that? You know, stop talking like that." But to this day, now when I hear that accent. It's home. I can't tell you how oh, how I, I just feel like oh, surrounded by love when I hear that accent. But can you? Ha- do you have I any idea what same. state I'm from? Oh goodness, let's do it again. <laughs> Say a couple more things. Okay, let me see. I'm going to be driving through this state uh, in a in a month or so. I got a little bit of land and uh, a, a nice a nice farmer who farms it for us. He's probably McKeon. And yeah, I love it. I'm gonna go. Is this like potentially? This could be (laughs) Kentucky, this could be potentially. mm, I have a feeling it's you're not getting it because I'm not an I'm not a native, and so it's being filtered through my California accent, but it's (laughs) Arkansas. 
and Arkansas, um, Arkansas. and I, you know, there are, that's what I'm not good at, right. There are a lot of different, uh, accents within Arkansas, depending on which part you're from. Cause I've noticed some people speak real slow, you know, and others, you know, anyway, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm a tricks you. That's not fair. I tricked you, but that is actually not what we're talking about on the show today. Not at all. We're talking about a couple of things. Number one, you worked as an interior design professional, but then you changed, you changed what you were going to do. And today you help clients leverage emotion and logic to craft yes. unforgettable marketing narratives. I yep. love that. But tell us Thank what you. that is. Okay. So I, yeah, I worked as an interior designer for the first 10 years of my career. Uh, I worked specifically in exhibition design. So I worked for mostly cultural clients, museums, um, any, I, actually we had a lot of more corporate, um, so cultural and corporate and institutional clients who wanted to tell stories about their business or about, obviously, if it's a museum, about history, but they wanted to do that in space, right? So you've obviously been to a, probably a cultural museum, a history museum, a science museum. All of those exhibits are designed by kind of a multidisciplinary team of Interior designers, obviously, graphic designers, um, content developers, sort of writers, historians, they rely on this sort of larger team of people to bring together an experience in space, which gives people information, right? And either makes it forgettable, you know, you kind of walk out like, okay, yeah, I went, you know, I didn't really capture, it didn't capture my attention and I didn't really, you know, I didn't feel kind of immersed or you have an experience that kind of changes your life. And that's what I did. I worked for a company that really kind of changed the trajectory of exhibition design. They designed the Holocaust Museum in um, in DC. And I don't know if you've been there or if you've heard of it. Um, obviously, the Holocaust was a very, um, a very important part of the history a story that needs to be told. Um, and it was told in this particular museum in a very, very um, immersive way. Uh, so instead of, you know, they could have put panels on the wall with the graphics and really told the story through images, you know, archival images with graphics that, you know, made headlines and sort of broke the information into this very kind of didactic either timeline, right? This mm-hmm. happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. But instead, they chose to put you into the story. You get a card of a person who potentially, you know, experience like a real person who went into, let's say, an internment camp. You walked through the exhibits and learning, you know, all the while sort of reading this card about the information of this person. So you sort of became part of the story. Mm. And the story, you know, used actual physical artifacts. It used the environment, right? The interior design component of this leveraged lighting levels, different ways of, you know, squeezing the body versus like giving you a lot of space, lowering the ceiling, raising the ceiling, using all of the elements and the components of interior design that we use as interior designers mm-hmm. in homes and businesses, you know, hotels, as we do to give people, you know, create that sense of space. But we're doing that in exhibit design to give people a sense of the story, the storytelling that comes alive through the physical experience. Um, and so 
when you leave this museum, I'm not, I won't spoil it. <laughs> we'll just say, just go. I'm totally um, going to go. I, in fact, <laughs> I think October I'll be there. And it's, it's oh, been on go. my list of yeah. places I would like to, museums I would like to visit for a long time. So yes, no spoiler alerts, but, but, yeah. I, but I'm totally um, hooked in the yeah. story already. Like I'm hanging on the edge of my seat <laughs> to find out what happens next. And that is the power yeah. of storytelling. That's the power of storytelling. And, you know, I'm not, this is not from me. You know, we're, we're hardwired literally for stories because before we could write down things and share with each other, we, you know, told stories around campfires about survival, right? We told stories about where to find food. We told stories to each other about our family and our history and who we were. So identity is wrapped up in storytelling. Plus stories, like you remember things when someone tells you a story and it's funny or it's serious or it's, you know, it has a, it has a meaning to it. You remember stickier. it more. Yes. Right. It's stickier. <laughs> so, so then how, yeah. how did you decide that you could take what is really more of a corporate experience in terms yep. of storytelling and bring that into someone's private home? And what does that look like? Well, okay. So as an interior designer working all those years, um, you know, I was loving, I love the work. Um, but what I, <laughs> I started getting pulled into doing more of, I was really good at presentation, physical, like, like telling, you know, giving the presentations to the clients, but also creating the kind of, you know, takeaways, not just, and this is kind of old school back when we used to do kind of presentation boards, you know, we would do these by hand. Um, it was about kind of visually using like a very short headline to capture, give the, you know, give the client a takeaway that they could remember through words and then finding the right images that I would be able to speak to in the presentation. So I was kind of the pitch girl <laughs> essentially. And the marketing teams were like, wait a second, <laughs> she's making our work really much easier because she understands not only the project, right, that she's selling, but she's understanding how the clients need to hear the story to, you know, capture their attention. So what I did, I sort of crossed over between design, being on the design team and the marketing team for enough time to where I really realized, like, wait a second, I... I don't ever want to do another wall section in CAD. <laughs> what I'd rather be doing is supporting, you know, my friends in the design team to sell their projects better and get more attention for their work. And that trans well, that was sort of the transformation moment where I moved from design, interior design, like being an actual designer myself, into supporting marketing, you know just specifically for our industry, specifically for, for interior designers and home brands, I say, like manufacturers, because what I find is super important is that designers can't tell those stories themselves. And a lot of times the marketing teams don't have the background in design enough to be able to really enforce the value of the design. Well, you know, and they can most interior yep. designers don't have a marketing team. Most are it, solopreneurs no. <laughs> or maybe they've got That's one right. or two office assistants. And yep. being able to tell the story is how you influence the client to buy yep. into what it is you're yep. selling, which is and, yep. you know, a Friday nights around the island in the kitchen, you know, that kind oh, of thing. Oh God, right? Yeah, that stuff is so critical and what a lot of designers they know this obviously they know the value of what they do they just don't know how to communicate it 
And I, I've seen so many gorgeous, important design ideas sort of die simply because they can't be sold properly. The client, you, the client really, if you're, you know, if you're pitching to a new client for new business or you're giving a proposal, you've really got just a couple of seconds to capture their, you know, hearts and their mind. You've got just a few minutes to make the right impression with your storytelling about who you are and what's, you know, the value of the, you know, the design you're going to offer them or the design your firm can bring to them. Otherwise, you you might not get them back. You, know, you might lose their attention forever. Erica, I'm curious, are there, um, what are the buzz killers? Like, what are those dead end, <laughs> right? What are the yeah. dead end terms that people just fall back on? Like, for example, full service yeah. design. I think. Oh, Lord. Right? Um, <laughs> yes. And I'm oh, guilty my gosh. of that one. I had, I had oh, that I on my, my description for a long time. So yeah. what are those things that we just kind of, you know, if you go to GPT chat, they're going to give you all yep. of these buzz killers that, you know, the of course. AI is going to give you every buzz killer there is. Yep. What are those buzz killers and how do we avoid Avoid them, and then let's get into what we should be doing. Yes. Okay. Well, first, I will say you need to stop thinking like a designer when <laughs> you speak, because we're we're just speaking to each other. We're just talking. We're trying to impress other designers with our flowery, gorgeous, you know, design language. When our clients are like, they don't understand what full service means. Is that like? Does that mean? I, I couldn't even tell you what most clients think about that. I've always wanted to do sort of a, a man on the street interview, woman on the street where you kind of walk up to people and, and just ask them a whole bunch of interior design questions and just yeah. like record their answers because people do not understand what that means. They don't under, they don't understand words like upholstery. They don't understand words like, you know, furnishings. They don't understand, you know, f- like different part. Anyway, different parts of our services that we offer. They don't understand any of that. So you have got to explain it to people like they don't. They don't know, and I think you have to present it in a language that isn't necessarily about what you do. So I see a lot of designers say like, we offer blank, we do this, we did that. You have to present it into the point of view of the client, right? You have to speak to the the benefits of how it's going to help them. Mm. And not, I mean, and, and that's kind of a, it's a simple shift. It's sort of a uh, a flip in the way you you talk about yourself, but you talk really you need to be talking about the client first, like what they're really looking for. I, I and that I'll, we can talk about that in a second. No, that's good. Go deeper I, into I that. I appreciate <laughs> that we offer blank. It's true. It's kind of like we offer this, and if you want it, come and get it. But I I think you're going to tell us with better storytelling, we're already inserted into their narrative a little bit. If we just, we can get right in there. Okay. Oh, good. So now tell us all the things we need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Go. Okay. (laughs) Go. (laughs) All right. So I'll, I'll start simply with there are, well, there's two, let's say, maybe I'll say, pause on the recording for this and let me sort of think about the best way to say the next thing. Um, I don't know how much editing you do on this, but Typically just on the video, not very much. <laughs> oh gosh. Hi. Okay. Hi. I know. <laughs> well, no one's perfect. <laughs> we all, um, okay. Well, I would say, all right. So the, 
there's a kind of a background to what I'm about to talk about. And I, I will say that when I work with clients, um, the big headline is sort of, are you a business or are you a brand, right? A brand is a, it's a, it's all a compilation of all the feelings we have about the thing it is we're, we're, we're about to purchase. And I will say purchasing toothpaste versus purchasing design services requires a much different set of, um, of decision-making, right? You have to be able to tell different types of stories to get people to purchase something that's going to be an investment in their time, right? And an investment, like a monetary investment, just like interior design should be. So a brand for interior design, you know, will need to think about three things strategically. Um, I start with these, they all start with the letter E, so they're, they're easy to remember. Um, and, it, and this is really a business strategy, like I said, that will inform a storytelling strategy. Uh, so first you have to think about what makes you extraordinary. That first E uh, is that one thing that makes you different. Um, a lot of people talk about you have to stand out from the competition. You have to be able to really put forward that thing about you that's going to make people remember you most. And f every designer is going to be different, um, you know, whether you've been in business for 20, 30 years or you're just getting started. There is something or a few things about you and your business that are extraordinary and unique and different. And you have to pinpoint those exactly. And spoiler alert, it's not going to be that you make beautiful rooms because that's what nope. happens. You ask designers, oh, what, what's, so, what's special about you? What's who, oh, we make beautiful rooms. Well, meet a million so other designers else. who make beautiful <laughs> rooms. So that, let's just take that one right off the table. Yep. I have a slide when I give presentations where I've, I remove obviously any kind of identifying information, but I have seen many, 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 many different designers, websites and, and social profiles just within the work that, that I do. But what I've done is I've sort of taken <laughs> and created a slide and I put all of their messages on one slide where this is kind of what your clients ease when they're thinking about hiring an interior designer and they're either, you know, however it is they come to you, it's a Google kind of search in your area, or they've seen you in a magazine or they've seen you on Instagram. They're sort of taking in the, the written, right. And your images are one thing, but they're taking in that written narrative, like that tagline or that one piece, that one sentence that you really, really need to focus on. That's your your key message, your brand message. And I put all of the brand messages from multiple interior designers from all around the U.S. on one slide. And I, sh when I show this slide to designers, they're all like blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, it, it's all the same thing. Everybody's saying the exact same thing. You know, luxury interiors, what does that mean? It's another one of those words that we get kind of caught in. Um, luxury interiors for families or, you know, they're being a little bit more specific or they say, um, you know, full service interior design. We, we can turn key. <laughs> like all of these things that mean that sound nice and they sound great from the interior designer side, but they don't mean anything or they become kind of whitewashed when it comes up against looking and comparing you to others because, Potentially your clients are talking to multiple designers when they're considering having, you know, mm -hmm. 
services for their home. Right. right. So what do you need to say about yourself and the work you bring and the value you bring that will differentiate you? That makes you, again, makes you show up as extraordinary, extraordinary. Can you give us some examples uh, from clients you've had in the past who have gotten it right? Like what are some things that would in fact make you extraordinary? Right. So um, I actually recently just worked in uh, my brand camp program with, it's a workshop, with a designer who is, she's not just starting out, but she feels like, you know, she's still, she's comparing herself to, you know, she wants to be positioned with designers who have a lot more experience in her market. And she's in a really competitive market um, where there's a lot of high-end homes being built. There's a lot of clients who are looking for designers and design services. Um, She has the design experience, but she wasn't able to really sell herself at the level where she wasn't attracting kind of the clients she wanted to be working with and the size of projects she wanted to be working on. And so we talked, you know, for a very long time, asked her many, many questions uh, as we do in this workshop. And what she ended up telling me kind of at the end, she's like, oh yeah. And I have, um, you know, I'm certified in kitchen, kitchen design. And I was like, what, you just, you're just now telling me? She's like, oh yeah, I love doing kitchens. And I said, okay, wait a second. You're certified in this and you love doing it. She's like, yeah, one of my favorite projects is taking, like working with like the homeowner who might be like an amateur chef or someone who wants, like loves cooking on the weekend for friends and entertaining. And I went back to our website and we pulled it up together and she's showing living rooms. She's showing like outdoor spaces. She's showing bath, you know, she's showing bedrooms. She's showing like all this and the kitchen, she had like one kitchen on there. And I said, listen, if you love doing kitchens, you're certified in kitchen design, you really understand what it takes to do a specific layout to make it like, actually, there are very specific things she started telling me, of course, about this particular type of design, but it didn't show up anywhere in any of her messaging. And I said, if you want to be doing more kitchens, if you want to be working with clients who are renovating, which is by, again, kitchens and baths are the top sort of top ways to build value in a home, clients will will hear this and their ears perk up, not simply from a personal kind of emotional level where they can bring their family together and cook and entertain, but simply that they will get a return when they sell their home. This is your differentiator. This is what you are. This is what makes you extraordinary. And this is what will bring the clients to you who really do want to invest in a kitchen that's more functional or more you know, suited to their personal goals or personal desires as well as their financial goals. So and so once we shift... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, yeah, no, I'm go sorry ahead, about that. I was going to say, so she's at-home chefs. She does kitchens for at-home chefs. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Right, so... You know, you obviously we know we all know this. You can't be everything to everyone, yeah. and I see a lot of designers who really think, "Well, yeah, someone comes to me, I can do it all." Of course, I can. Well, mm-hmm. you can, but do you really want to? And do you really want to spend your time kind of filtering through the clients who keep, <laughs> who maybe potentially don't know exactly what they want? You want clients. You want to be able to have messaging that keys into the core emotions. This is the second part of the storytelling strategy I'm about to jump into. <laughs> you want to, to use storytelling that 
it makes people lean in, right? Just like we were talking about the Holocaust Museum, you want to put people emotionally into your story. This way, they can self um, self filter. You know, if you if they see your work and what your messaging and what your storytelling is about, and it doesn't really resonate with them, like maybe I'm not a, I'm not a chef, right? I'm not I'm not into that. Maybe I'm more into something else. Like I'm I'm into like you know, outdoor space or whatever, you know, whatever that client is looking for, they don't see themselves in your story, then you're not, they're not, it's not the perfect fit. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You, you really do want the better. You're, you're going to end up continuously working with clients that don't have the same values who aren't going to truly, really understand the value of what you bring. And value is really key. What I love about the ad home chef kitchen angle is that it simplifies everything else you're going to do in your brand. Like every gift you give them is going to be geared toward the person who loves to cook. And if you're going to host an event where you want to meet new clients, you're going to host an event that's cooking involved, right? Like it just kind of narrows every other decision you have to make in terms of marketing for the rest of your life when you get to that sweet spot. That's right. And it helps reinforce your brand because what, again, a brand is, is that it's what people literally, what people are thinking about you when you're not around. It's also what people are saying about you. Like, let's say you have a partner, like a contractor or realtor that you work with who brings new business to you. Um, What they're going to say is, maybe let's say in the case of a realtor, they're talking, they're walking someone through a home and they say, oh my gosh, this kitchen has so much potential. I know a designer who specializes in kitchens. She's amazing. Let me introduce you. You have a contractor who's really great. You know, you've worked with before. Uh, You really love their work. They're going to do the same, right? So you become, you use this differentiator to help build your brand and that's what people think about you when you're not around. It makes your marketing easier, right? Um, but yeah, you have to identify what that thing is and make sure that it's in every single message. It needs to be, well, we can talk about a brand audit later, but it needs to be in every single marketing touch point that you put out about yourself on your website. You're going to go all in at that point. I'm going to go all in on that. You're going to go all in. Okay. And (laughs) I'm going to say that we have so much more information to cover. We're going to split this into two episodes. So for part Hmm. two, you're going to hear the two other E's because the first one is extraordinary. (laughs) We're going to hear the other two E's in the next part next week. So I'll say thank you uh, right now, Erica, for part one, but but hang on because we're going to go immediately record part two for everybody. Does that sound good? I love it. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. See you next time. (laughs) Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field-tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. 